Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is August 28th. We're going to talk about the red-hot Milwaukee Brewers, recap the series against the San Diego Padres, and then look ahead to the Chicago Cubs and arguably one of the biggest series of the year. Then we'll have questions about the Packers 53-man roster as we get closer to cut day, and that will be today's show. So nice and tight. Maybe a little bit on the uh, Brewers and Bucks, you know, trying to take over Valley. I do want to talk about that. That might be its own topic tomorrow. Um, stay tuned. But there was some news that just hit the wire right before we got on podcasting this morning. So I might want to talk about that. Um, it'll all depend on it. I, I think we'll have a, enough to go off of. Before we get going, uh, just a reminder, social media, Tabnikek on Twitter, Tabnikek Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook. I'm getting a lot of Facebook uh, likes with the reels, which is cool. Uh, happy to have support. And if you are joining from that, uh, we are on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast, Overcast, Google. Uh, I know I got to get a, us on Amazon, which is something Amazon has asked. Uh, so we'll get there uh, sooner rather than later. Uh and yeah, we appreciate that support and make sure you're leaving a review. Make sure you're sending this to your friends. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. Uh, it was not as good of a month as we've seen in July and June, uh, so, which is a bummer, uh, but being transparent, keep it in 100. Uh, so I, I just got to do more to uh, get your support. Uh, that's okay. And with football in full effect, uh, you won't have a lot of Monday morning podcasts. Uh, we'll have we'll have stuff ready to go for you uh, as the season goes uh, with the Packers. Uh, trying to react as quick as we can after the game uh, and hop on and talk about all the things that happened during that game. And so you have that podcast ready to go, ready for you. Uh, we might get slowed up a little bit, uh, pending on the Brewers, right? So like when they play... Uh, two weeks from now, uh, when the Packers and Falcons, so we'll we'll probably wait till after the Brewers are done, and then for the Badgers, um, we'll try to get stuff going um, in that same Monday podcast. So we aren't going to do a Sunday pod reacting to the Badgers, likely. Um, maybe there are some areas of opportunity for it, but um, more times than not, we will do Monday Monday morning for everything, and just get and it'll just be big ass shows on Monday. Um, so that. Something to look forward to, something to get you guys ready for. Um, we are going to do a Monday pod for the Badgers um, on Monday of Labor Day, uh, given the fact that, you know, we don't necessarily have a pod on on Tuesday. So it might be even a Sunday pod, might be a Monday pod. We'll, we'll see. We'll keep you updated on that. All right. Enough of me. Enough talking about scheduling. Enough talking about what we provide to you. Let's talk about the Red Hot Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers are on a complete hot streak right now. They've won eight straight games. They swept their homestand. They head to Chicago for a big series against the Chicago Cubs. And I, I kept thinking back to yesterday to my dad's comments. My dad uh, is a big-time Brewer fan. I think you guys know that uh, from what I've said on the pod. And he was saying to me all summer, really, like, I think the Brewers have a run of them. Like, he, he thought that the Brewers had not had, like, a big hot streak. And that they had not sort of, you know, hit their peak in terms of getting hot. And it reminds me, too, of the 2011 season uh, when the Brewers just caught absolute fire and pulled away from the Cardinals and pulled away from everybody and won that division. And it was really the Brewers just finding, finding sort of the right ingredients and the right secret sauce of this baseball team. And I think what the Brewers are doing right now is – just very special and just absolutely relentless offensively. Uh, it's they've had they had three games this week where they had a five run inning uh, 
all weekend against the Padres, which try, has to drive me wild if you're a Padres fan. But third inning on Friday night, uh, I believe it was the sixth inning. I don't know, it was the fifth inning, excuse me, on Saturday. And then the sixth inning uh, yesterday. And the Brewers have just been absolutely relentless offensively. And it reminds you a little bit of the Atlanta Braves. I was on my way to golf with Mitch on Sunday. And I was just like, this is some Atlanta Braves shit. Like the, the beginning was happening while we were driving to the course. And that is what we've seen from Atlanta. Like we've seen Atlanta all year where it's like all it, all of a sudden it's like it's a 2-1 game and then Atlanta blows up and it's 8-1. And it's like, okay, that there's the Braves offense. Now they have much more power than the Brewers do. And I, I saw my guy Brett talk about how, you know, they need a little more power for the postseason. I agree and disagree. I think you'd have to look back at some numbers and say, all right, is, is power really there? I think you can do this in the in the postseason. I think the what the Brewers are doing differently is just this sort of make sure that you're not striking out, working counts. I mean, they've really uh, you know, got in the bullpens. Uh, you know, they did it today with Waka, very patient, took four walks. I mean, they were making Michael Waka work for every single out. And they made Max Scherzer last week work for every single out. Uh, you also had, you know, Oliva, who's been really talented for the Padres, even though he's a journeyman, he's been very good. And like his fan graphs, everything checks out. Like it's not, he's not really fraudulent. And he struggled against them. You Darvish, who has had road struggles in the past, but has been really good in his last two road starts. Again, he had a big inning in him. Like the Brewers are not letting any of these guys get off easily. And that's the that's the impressive thing. We I, I can't remember. I guess Lance Lynn was the last one, hilariously enough. I was like that was the last time Brewers really got shut down by a starting pitcher. They've They've done their their work against the, some of the better pitchers in baseball, right? And and that's the other part. It's like, okay, you faced Dane Dunning, you faced Max Scherzer. I think Jordan Montgomery was the guy who pitched, for, and he's been unbelievable. He's been really good uh, since coming to Texas. So that's those are the three guys you faced in Texas. Then against the Twins, Bailey Ober and Maeda have been really solid. And then against the Padres, you had Darvish and Waka, like. You're not doing this against scrubs. You're not doing this against the Austin Gombers of the world. No disrespect to Austin Gomber. We caught a shot there. But seriously, like, you're not doing it against the Rockies, the A's, the Royals. Like, if the Brewers won eight straight and they beat, you know, those teams, I think we would be like, all right, this is good. They're taking advantage of their bad schedule. But, like, we, we got to see it against good teams. And the Brewers, this is the, one of the harder parts of their schedule. They, they've they played, you know, the Dodgers, who obviously did not go well. Then you play the Rangers, you play the Twins, play the Padres, who, even though the Padres are wildly disappointing, they have so much fucking talent. So they're, they're good, like, they have good players. Let's just put it that way, right? They're not a team. Uh, and we've kind of discussed that when we previewed on Friday. Th- then you go to Chicago. Then you go to Philly. And even if like this week or home to Philly, excuse me, even if, if you're three and three this week and you, you know, sort of like, all right, you, you take a step back, right? So at some point you're going to lose. At some point it's just not, right? That's, that's baseball. That's any fucking sport. You're not going to just be undefeated forever. I'd love for the Brewers to win out. Like I, I would love for them to not lose a game the rest of the season. But at the same time, I know that's highly unrealistic. That, not, that's like unrealistic. I, I shouldn't say highly. That is unrealistic, right? We're, we're, we're not going to get that. But it, even if you go three and three this week or even two and four, like I'd hate that, especially if you lost a series to the Cubs. But if you go two and four, you lose a series to the Phillies, let's just say, 
it's still that's a you've still won like ten of ten of your last fourteen games. Like that's pretty fucking good. And you're you're gonna be encouraged by that. As someone pointed out, uh, I think it was Brewers Fanatic about how the Brewers have a wild card spot. Like it, even if like things go really off the rails, they are in for a wild card because you know, you have seen the fall off of the Giants and the Marlins and the Reds even. I mean, the Reds now are six back of the Brewers and sort of the lights have sort of went out a little bit on Cincinnati. And they, they peaked. I wouldn't even say they peaked too soon. I think they just got hot for a month and then all their young guys, it, it was like it became real for them. It's very like 2007 Brewers energy, right, where you have all this young talent and they're just maybe not ready for the big stage. And, you know, they do have a weekend series against the Cubs where they could kind of turn it around and maybe, maybe make another push. And we saw the Diamondbacks sort of get off the map themselves and they have a tough series with the, with the Dodgers, but the Brewers do have, are in a little bit of house money in terms of the playoffs. You know, 97% uh, chance to make the playoffs. I believe that Codify had that yesterday. So like they're, they're in a really good position right now. And, and I think this win streak only helped things. Uh, I, I mean, there have been a ton of catalysts for this this whole this streak. I mean, I think Will, William Contreras has been on another fucking level. Uh, it's crazy that still that we were able to get him in that Oakland A's Braves deal. I have no idea why the A's didn't want William Contreras. I, I can't wrap my head around it. Um, how they missed this um, and the Brewers did. That's such a huge win for Matt Arnold because Contreras, I'd argue, is the team's MVP offensively. I, I just think he's done. I know Yelich had his run and Yelich just kind of struggled. And that's also wild that the Brewers have sort of found this without Christian Yelich playing very well. Like Christian Yelich has kind of slumped in this month and your know, books kind of reverted on Yelich a bit. And now Contreras is, you know, the guy who's been the guy. And I, I think he's been the guy all year. And every time it seems like Contreras has guys and runners in scoring position, he's bringing them in. Uh, he's been so clutch and it's just, it's been one of my favorite things I think about this Brewer season, and Contreras is definitely yearning himself as a fan favorite. I think everybody, you know, really likes Wild Bill, and you know whether it's the narco uh, walk up music or just his sort of intensity and attitude. I think he just picks everybody up. Willie Thomas had some moments; he didn't have as good of a series. Now Rowdy Telez is kind of hitting the ball, so it's kind of like, what do you do, right? Do you do you play Rowdy Telez a little bit more, and maybe you know a guy like Tyrone Taylor takes a step back? But the Brewers almost have too much talent in a weird way because you have Taylor who's been playing well. He didn't have a great series either, but he, he had a really good series against the twins, really good series against the Rangers. You have Mark Hanna who's been hitting a lot. Uh, you have Yelich who got struggling a little bit. I wouldn't give Yelich a day off though in these games. I'd wait till the Pittsburgh series or I think they do play national at playing Yankees, right? Um, so I'd wait till that week to maybe give Yelich some time off. I think you want Yelich for these games against the Cubs and the Phillies. But you you just have a lot of options. And Robbie Telez be if he's just if that's what he is, you know, he has a pinch hit hit on on Sunday. If that's what Robbie Telez is for the rest of the season, I'm cool with that. And I'm cool with Rowdy having those moments. And if he can, you know, adapt himself to being this clutch pinch hitter, that that's great role. And I think he's still gonna get chances to play. I think the Brewers are gonna, you know, manage Carlos Santana, make sure, you know, that he's Healthy. He's he is a, a gamer though, like really is. Um, I called him out on Twitter, and then I think Rock said it immediately after. He his foot got stuck in third base, and it looked like he broke his ankle. Like he looked like he broke his ankle or broke his foot. I said it on a group chat. I said it to my dad, I, which I'm back. Like that's 
that's how you know football Chuck is back because he's over diagnosing injuries. Um, that is something I've done for really my entire adult life. Uh, if you watch football with me and guys get hurt, I'm like, oh fuck, it's an ACL or it's a, it's this, it's that. I, I always overreact to injuries. Unfortunately, it's a bad habit. Uh, and I did it with, uh, I did it with Santana that thankfully he just twisted his ankle. It was like him just falling on like grass or catching an edge. Like, I don't know if you guys, you guys probably aren't as putsy as I am, but for, uh, when I was living in Milwaukee, uh, I would, I couldn't wear sandals when I would, uh, walk my dog because I would, I, I twist my ankle so many fucking times because of uneven sidewalks or just having to go on the grass for something. And I just, I wrecked my ankles and I, I had to literally stop wearing sandals in the summer, uh, walking my dog, which is probably more embarrassing. Now, now that I came off the top of my gods, oh, it's actually fucking embarrassing. It just shows you, uh, some weak ankles from your boy. But yeah, it was an awesome weekend. Uh, it, this, I will say too, I mean, the crowds were great. Uh, Friday's crowd was a little lighter than I would have expected for CC. There was only 33,000 there, but I mean, big crowds all week. I, you know, I know the kids go back to school on a labor day of high school football, the whole thing, but I think you're going to get a lot of people at the stadium and, you know, it's definitely ample opportunities to go as many times as you can. And I think now the goal is here is to carry it over. I mean, again, you're not going to win every game. But can you keep this up now for one more week? I think that's really the the goal here with the Cubs and the Phillies. Because if you can win the series against the Cubs, you can win the series against the Phillies, you almost you you will not get the tiebreaker. I think wait, so it's six? No. So if the Brewers do win two against the Cubs, they get up to six wins against the Cubs for the season. And they would need one more for the tiebreaker. Now, hopefully, the goal I think is that you make that see that last week of the series not matter, um, and that that Cubs series doesn't become important, and you have the division wrapped up before you know that series against Chicago. Uh, but that's goal number one is to get to six wins, so you can at least be very close to that tiebreaker, and then try to get the tiebreaker against the Phillies. Because if you you know do fall off, and September is a little bit more of a June or May month where the Brewers have had seen some struggles, like, okay, then if, if it really goes off the rails, maybe you get the wild card advantage to at least make sure that you're hosting, you know, the first playoff game. So with it's a, it's been an awesome run. It's been really fun to watch this team. And now the series against the Chicago Cubs who probably don't want to see the Milwaukee Brewers. What's absolutely crazy about the Milwaukee Brewers and the Chicago Cubs is the Brewers are in Chicago for the first time, I believe since the first week of the season, which is absurd to me. Like that is absolutely absurd. I I've kind of ranted about that. I think they need to kind of fix baseball schedule a little bit. Uh, Bob Euchre and Jeff Levering talked about that, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And I really agree with it. I really think that more needs to be done. It's, it, I do think this is probably the best way to do it, right? You have Bruges Cubs in, you know, start of the year, then you play in July, you have this August series, and then you have a September series. And maybe that's what you need to do with all your division is making sure that you have one series a month, basically. But this is the Brewers' uh, first trip to Chicago since that first game series. It'll be a lot different. Uh, the energy will be totally different in Wrigley. Uh, that is a tough place to play. The Cubs have not been, I think, as good as maybe people think at home. They're 35 and 30, the same record as the Brewers have on the road. Uh, the Brewers are coming in red hot. The Cubs have stayed pretty warm themselves. Uh, they've definitely, you know, they went one four out of five, four out of their last five. 
Uh, they won the series against Detroit. They won the series against Pittsburgh. You know, they kind of made sure that they took care of business against two bad teams, you know, in their last road trip. And now they come home and play a very good Brewers team, a red hot Brewers team and a, a real rivalry. I mean, that Brewers Cubs series, you know, over 4th of July weekend was one of the more intense baseball series I think we've had all year. Every game kind of felt like the playoffs. The Cubs were trying to basically turn around their season and the Brewers were trying to end the Cubs season and the Brewers didn't really do it. I mean, it was a, it was a hard fought series. Brewers could have swept that series. Cubs could have swept that series. Uh, and it ended up 2-2. And so now you have yet another showdown where if the Brewers do sweep the Cubs, not only will they clinch, you know, the season series against them, but they probably put the division out of reach for Chicago. It would have to take, you know, a monumental collapse by the Brewers and the Cubs finding their hot streak again. I do not think a sweep is realistic. I, I just don't like, I mean, that would be incredible. And then you win 11 straight and then you're, you're heading into George Webb's territory uh, for the following weekend uh, for Labor Day. But I, I think that the Brewers, you know, will have a, a ample opportunity to beat this Cubs team. And the series is playoff-like in a way. Um, the first game in the series is not necessarily, you know, the pitching matchup that we'd expect playoff-wise, but the next two are. Um, and I think that's really interesting. And I think it actually works to the Brewers' advantage, weirdly. I The Cubs have some, you know, long-term guys, but not a, all of them have been in a pennant race. And I just wonder, will the pressure – you know, get to some of the Cubs players, especially that bullpen. And I know that they've been okay um, recently, but that was something the Brewers were really able to take advantage of um, in in that July series was a shaky bullpen at best. I also think that there's a massive manager disadvantage in this series. Uh, Craig Council is just so more tactical and so more just he he just knows what he's doing with his you know bullpen with his lineup and I think David Ross is way too emotional. I think David Ross you know manages on emotion and I think it bites him in the ass more often than not, especially against a cerebral guy like Craig Council. So I I, I do think that's one of the bigger advantages that the Brewers have this series. And if the Brewers and Cubs were to meet in the playoffs, which I've already stated would likely wreck me um just as as a baseball fan as a sports fan because that's just one series you can't lose because i'll because whatever whatever fan base wins will hold it over the other one's head forever and especially if it's in milwaukee and then you have to do everything you can to keep cups fans out um and make sure that you are not having any sort of cubs fans you'll have some right we've talked about it that the cubs fan base is significantly bigger than the milwaukee brewer fan base but still like you just can't have it. And, you know, it's funny. My wife's in Chicago and it's our anniversary today. And I, if she was staying overnight and she was like, her work does a lot of like full day things. But if it was like, there was an area of opportunity where I could have gone down to Chicago today, I think your boy would be live. From Lake uh, but it just did not work out. Um, and she was, it's a one day trip for her. She's back, uh, probably as this game's finishing up. So I kind of opened for a quick game so I could get the review in and then spend some time with her before she goes to bed, uh, and celebrate her anniversary a little bit. But like, it's definitely, uh, definitely one of those things where I, I thought about it. I was like, man, if you, if you didn't spend the night and everything else, I, I would have, would have made the day, made it a day and worked and then went to, went to Brewers Cups because it's just, things going to be awesome in the ballpark. I think there's going to be, you know, a ton of fans, both teams and we kick it off Wade Miley and Jamison Tyon tonight. And that could definitely be a high scoring affair. Uh, Wade Miley faced the Cubs 
earlier this season. Uh, the Cubs also saw a lefty yesterday in Bailey Folter. So they get back-to-back lefties, which I think helps uh, teams. And Miley, you know, will look to, you know, per- improve on the performance he had against this Cubs team. I mean, and I, I give, you know, a little bit of grace to Miley because, you know, that was his first start uh, after being hurt. So that I do wonder, you know, is that going to, is that going to help? And remember why Miley would then go on the DL again after that. Red, and I can't remember if he faced the Reds. I think he did. Yeah, he faced the Reds and he went immediately on the IL again. So I, he was not exactly healthy. Uh, so he's kind of looking for a little bit of a bounce. He's been all right. He's been good, not great. Uh, it's in the month of August. So hopefully Wade Miley can find it. Uh, and then you have uh, Jamison Tyon on the other side. And Tyon has been a pretty big disappointment uh, for the Cubs. You know, they signed him to a four-year, I think $72 million deal. And Tyon's been a mess. Uh, he's above 6 ERA. He's struggled in this month, he's had about a six ERA. His first start of the year was against the Brewers, and the Brewers were able to tattoo him. You know, they had really struggled that series uh, offensively until they met with Jamison Tyon. So they'll obviously look to emulate that t- entirely different team that Tyon saw, you know, in that first start of the season. Uh, this is not it's not the same team, which would be really interesting to see, you know, how how Tyon deals with that, right? Like, how how is he able to sort of handle, you know, a little bit of a different team than exactly what Tyon had seen in that first game. I'm, I'm trying to pull up that lineup to see how different that will be for Jamison. Let's see here. That was the third game of the series. Brewers won 9-5. Uh, so looking at that box score, here's what Tyon faced, and, he, and here's where he'll probably not face the same kind of guys. Christian Yelich, you'll see. Jesse Winker, no. Uh, Will, Willie Adamas, yeah. Rye Telez, probably not, unless they give Santana the day off because of the ankle injury. Brian Anderson, likely not. Garrett Mitchell, hurt. Uh, Victor Carantini, no. Probably get Contreras. Bryce Trang, yeah. Joey Weimer, eh, maybe. Probably not. And so, and, and also you had Gus Marlin pitch that game. Uh, you had Javi Guerra pitch that game. Uh, Piamis was a six inning guy in that, in that game. Uh, so just wild, right? Just totally wild stuff, uh, from, you know, all parties involved. And so it'll, it'll be very interesting to see you know, in terms of what Wade Miley can do. And I, I mean, the other thing too, is like the Cubs lineup's a little different, right? You had Trey Mancini as the cleanup hitter and Trey Mancini's DFA at this point. Uh, so yeah, very interesting how everything changes, you know, and how long it just speaks to how long baseball can be from a season perspective. Uh, but yeah, it, Brewers definitely one that I think they need to have. Tonight, you know, not only will you set the tone, you get a game, you're then five up on the Cubs, uh, you win your ninth straight, but the next two pitching matchups are definitely difficult. And, you know, with how successful the Brewers have been against starting pitching, they're going to be tested in these next two games because they're two guys who have really, you know, had their way uh, with the Brewers in the past. First is Justin Steele against Corbin Burns on Tuesday night. And I, I realize TBS can't plan, you know, who the pitching matchup is. But I have no fucking idea how this game isn't on TBS on Tuesday night. Like, this is easy to me, this is easily the biggest series of the week at the week. And well, you have you do have Houston and 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 uh Houston and Boston, but they, they just played and that was just on TBS. Like, how is this not? I don't even think TBS has a game uh on Tuesday, but like how is this not how is this not your TBS game? They don't have they do not have a game for some reason on Tuesday night. But that to me should be your game. I mean, the only, I'm trying to think the only other series where it might 
matter or might be you know as significant. There really isn't one. Houston, Boston is really the only one. I guess Arizona, Los Angeles, Cincinnati, San Francisco, but those are night games. But those would be the only other ones that I think are as important as Brewers Cubs. And it's Corbin Burns versus Justin Steele. I mean, that is big dick pitching right there uh, between the two guys. And Steele has been really solid against the Brewers. Brewers have been better against lefties, you know, since the All-Star break, since, you know, really getting guys like Canna and Carlos Santana. And I, I do wonder, you know, Tyron Taylor, too, playing well. I, I wonder if that'll change. Justin Steele has, you know, won a lot of games. The Cubs seem to always win when Justin Steele goes on the mound, uh, whether it, it's, you know, related in his win-loss for the season. But it, so they've been wildly successful with Justin Steele on the mound this year, but he's not really pitched great in the month of August. Like he's as a four one ERA. And the same could be said for Gordon Burns. It's been more uneven for Burns. I wouldn't say he's not pitched great in the month of August. They, you know, he's had two really good starts, the one against Pittsburgh and the one against uh, Los Angeles. Even the Pittsburgh one's a little shaky because he walked four batters, but he got around those. And then he really struggled against the White Sox and he really struggled against Pittsburgh. And or I'm sorry, the Minnesota. And the Minnesota one, I wonder if it was just the heat and just the way the ballpark was playing. I don't. I would not put in too much stock into that. I think that was more weather-based. He really seems to struggle in hot weather games. Uh, you saw that in, against Cincinnati. You saw it again against the Twins. So I, I think you're going to have a pretty decent day in Chicago. I don't think that's going to be a a hot weather game per se. I think you'll probably, you know, be in the 70s or be maybe in the low 80s. Like you'll be a normal, normal sort of baseball climate for for that game. So let's see here. I'll pull up the weather. So you're going to get 75 today in Chicago. So that'll be beautiful, beautiful night. And then 78, actually some chance of rain. So maybe they, they get rained out. I'd hate that. That would be that would be bad. You would not necessarily, and I don't think the Cubs will do a double header this week because they have one on Friday against the Reds. And I don't I don't exactly know how double headers work. Um hand up. Oh, I guess there's gonna be no rain at night. So you should be they should be okay. 61 uh on on Tuesday night. So they they should be okay to play. So hopefully we won't have any any weather issues. That would really suck to have that damper on the series. And then on Wednesday afternoon, so your 120 start, uh, you have Brandon Woodruff versus Kyle Hendricks. And I think my only worry with that that is if the winds are blowing out because Woodruff has had a little bit of a home run problem. He had he gave up one to Machado um, on Friday night, uh, but he struck out 11 and was you know was really the only blemish. Uh, that Woodruff had, and Woodruff has pitched really well in Wrigley Field. Uh, he's just done well against the Cubs for his career. So he's, you know, we talk about how Hendricks and Steele have had success. Woodruff has had a ton of success against the Cubs. Uh, Hendricks has been really good against the Brewers for his entire career, um, but he has struggled at home. Uh, he's a 4.84 ERA uh, at Wrigley this season, which is uncharacteristic of Kyle Hendricks. So I'd uh, be interested to see if that continues, but. You'd really like to get today. If you get today, like it's not necessarily house money. I would not qualify that because then you're three back of the Cubs as they win the two. Uh, but if you could get today and just get that under your belt, knowing that the pitching mashups are going to be more difficult as the week goes on, that's there. I think the biggest thing for me is I don't want to, I don't want one to slip underneath, right? I don't want, you know, Piamas blowing up or Piguero struggling or Devin Williams blowing a save. Remember, he did blow one of his only blown saves this year has been against the Cubs. Uh, so I, I just, I don't necessarily want that, uh, but I, it, you know, it could happen. And I, I really hope it doesn't. 
Um, and I, I really hope that, you know, if they lose, it's, you know, they just got beat. And I, I would like to keep this going as much as you can. And it would be incredible if you're able to win the first two, win the series, then you're, what, six up on the Cubs at that point, and then you're full house money on, on Wednesday. Uh, but I think the other thing, too, is it's nice for the Brewers that it's just a three-game road trip. Like, they, it's a, just a quick trip down to Chicago, and then you go back up and you're home again. So, you're and you've played well on the road. And, and this is, to me, a little bit of the culmination of, ev of everything we've seen here in the last uh, in the last few few weeks, few few months, and and you know if if, you, if it does go sideways, then then you just gotta get back on the roller coaster. And we're we're riding high, and I, I hope that it continues on this uh, for this week and and the rest of the rest of the year because it's been a lot of fun. And I think I, I said on the review on Friday night, and you can follow me tapping the keg on Twitter for those reviews or tapping the keg sports on TikTok where those reviews typically live. I said I'm starting to believe. I'm starting to really start thinking, you know, more about this team. And it's not just, hey, we're, we're good. And, you know, maybe if things break our way, we can beat the, the Braves and the Dodgers. This team, you know, looks a lot different. And they look like a team who can beat, compete with anybody. And that that's always dangerous when you start believing. When you start thinking more and you think bigger and you're like, okay, there, there might be, there might be a long October. This might not just be one and done or one weekend in October and we get a little bit of playoff baseball and we get the taste. It could be more like a 2018 or a 2011 year where it's, you know, into the, into October and we're living and dying at every fucking pitch of Brewers baseball. And I said it's dangerous because it's, it just makes you, it, you think more and you, you have this vision of what might, what it might be. And I've said to people just to bookend, you know, my father and, and everything like that and saying, you know, how he started the, this brewer segment today. You know, that's the one thing I want kind of as a championship more than anything is a Brewer World Series because of how much of a fan he is and, you know, our relationship for Brewers baseball and getting a championship with him for him and a, and would be just incredible. And for Bob Euchre and for so many others. But we're we're not there yet. Uh, we're at deep run. I don't know if we're at championship contenders because you still have the Braves, you still have the Dodgers, who are two of the, two of the best teams in baseball. I think they are the two best teams in baseball. And that's sometimes just really shitty luck. But this team now makes me think they can do a little bit more. They don't look like the team that we saw in, in LA or the team that we saw against that two weeks in Atlanta. Yeah, this is this is what we've come to expect of Brewers baseball. And what's crazy is they could get better. You know, Garrett Mitchell, it seems like he's wants to play in September. Uh, he wants to be a part of this team and his rehab's going well. And Aaron Ashby, you know, is gonna get sent on a rehab assignment. And then all of a sudden you get Aaron Ashby out of your bullpen or as your swing, you know, sixth pitcher on your team. That's incredible stuff for the Brewers. And so it, the train could keep keep rolling, and let's hope it does. Moving on to the Green Bay Packers, and that the Green Bay Packers are heading close to Cote. Cote will be on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, I was debating whether I'd have a pod on Wednesday. I might actually, you know, take off. I don't know if I'll take off tomorrow and do a pod Wednesday or maybe take off Friday if Mitch and I were to do that or do just a quick pod on Wednesday reacting to the 53-man. So stay tuned for that, um, and we'll I'll make a decision there. I'll probably, I'll probably tape something tomorrow because you got Bruce Cubs. Like, yeah, we'll just we'll do, we'll do a pod on Wednesday. We may, might do five days this week. That's okay. 
Um, your boy can strap it up for five still uh, when when he needs to, right? And you have a you have the fifty three man cut day on Tuesday. I was wrong about cut day. I had said, oh, you know, the big J's are going to complain because they have the Saturday cut day. I forgot that they had a preseason game. You know, this was when you'd have your fourth preseason game and then you have cut day over Labor Day. Uh, they've since ended that. Um, and now cut day is on Tuesday, which gives the team more time, you know, to prepare for week one for the Packers case, the Chicago Bears. So I have questions about what they might do in that 53. I'm not going to predict the 53-man roster because you could read that in any place, whether it's The Athletic, whether it's Serial Sentinel, Packers Wire, Cheesehead TV. You know, it, you have so many different sources to predict the 53-man roster. I have questions, though, about what they might do. And I think number one is, are they going to trade Josh Hyman? And I think that is the big outstanding question, right? Could trading Josh Hyman help, you know, depth elsewhere? Could it help with the cornerback position where they are going to be between whether you keep four guys and or do you keep five? I think they do keep five. I don't, I think with Eric Stokes going on the pup, which I also learned today is a four, four week thing. I thought it was six, uh, but it's four. So you'll likely not have Stokes for September. And I, I would doubt, I would be surprised if he plays in the, the Raiders game because then you have bye. So it's like, why not do six weeks for Eric Stokes and let Eric Stokes, you know, kind of fully acclimate himself and get ready and get back to game speed. So I, I do expect them to actually keep another corner because Stokes is going to go on that pup list. And I think you're going to need that depth just in case, you know, someone does go down. Uh, that's a sneaky, sneaky worry. Um, if someone does get hurt, uh, the, the depth of the cornerback position is not exactly the strongest uh, right now. I think in November it is when you have Stokes back and then you have Stokes, you have Nixon, you have Val uh, Valentine, you have Jair, of course, and Rasul. But right now, I don't know. And so because of that, I wonder if there is room to trade Josh Nyman to bring it back because it could you, you know, get a corner? Could you get a blocking tight end from a team? Uh, could you get uh, even a linebacker maybe, right? I don't think their linebacker depth uh, inside wise is that great. Um, you know, with Campbell, you know, seemingly hurt, you get a safety uh, for Josh Nyman. Like, I feel like you could help your team by dangling Josh Nyman out there in the last year of his deal. He's a guy that is a starter. Rasheed Walker has replaced Josh Nyman. Uh, and $4 million is a lot is a lot of money for a fourth tackle. And I, originally I was like, well, you keep him just in case for Bakhtiari. But Rasheed Walker is kind of your Bakhtiari insurance, right? Like, And if you do play Zach Tom at center and Rasheed Walker at right tackle, and then and then you you know have Josh, Sean Ryan backing up, you have Josh Myers there. Like you you're okay if you know someone goes down, if Tom goes down per, per se, right? So I, I I do think that there's there. Caleb Jones is another project that they've been working on, and I I think they still believe that he could be okay, and he's a mammoth, you know, uh, tackle. He's like six eight, like three sixty, like he's he's absolutely massive. And, you know, is that your next project? And do you trust that if Caleb Jones had to be thrust into the game because everything's off the rails tackle-wise, then you'd be okay? The other part of it is Elton Jenkins can play tackle. Now, I don't think Elton Jenkins is as good of a left tackle as we were led to believe, but he still could do it, right? He, you know, that's still on the table for the Green Bay Packers if they desperately need it. So that all of those reasons are why you probably trade Josh Hyman because you, you do have – holes to fill. And there are so many teams in the NFL 
that would take a tackle on a one-year, $4 million deal and then, you know, could work with him if, you know, works out, give him a big deal and have him ready. I think one of the, the things I've seen is Moelle Cox of the Colts. Now, Moelle Cox hasn't necessarily had an illustrious career, but he is a blocking tight end. He's a guy, he's a big body. He's like 6'6", you know, former basketball player from VCU, you know, and the Colts, you know, definitely could use some line help. They have Quentin Nelson, but they aren't necessarily known for their offensive line right now and protecting their, you know, brand new draft pick in Anthony Richardson. To me, that feels like a perfect marriage. It feels like a perfect thing that could happen. Now, you usually don't see player for player trades, but it, I think Nyman could, you know, get that. I also think Nyman, you know, could net you a probably fifth round pick. I, I think the value there could be there for, you know, an additional pick. I, I just don't know how much an extra draft pick is helping this Packer team. Like, I think Josh Nyman is more valuable than another draft pick. I realize Brian Gunnikus loves picks, you know, more maybe than life itself. But I, I still think that Josh Nyman, you know, has some value if you can't move him right now. Um, and that it might be that situation. But again, you have 53 guys and you, you know, having a guy, you know, just kind of sit on his ass for $4 million is a lot. And so I, I do, I don't think they'd cut Josh. I think they'd move him. And I just wonder, you know, is there a trade coming today or tomorrow for Josh Nyman for, for one of these soft spots of the Green Bay Packers or are, is something else in the works? Other question I have is, you know, will Smart or make the team? We talked about this a lot on the podcast, but I, I just can't see them keeping seven wide receivers. Uh, I, I just feel like that's so many. Um, I understand there's a ton of talent in that room uh, with Grant DeBow, uh, with Malik Heath, with Torre. Uh, I, I understand that to- sneaking Torre on the practice squad will be tough because I do think the New York Jets would try to get him. Uh, I think Aaron Rodgers likes Samar Torre, and I think Aaron Rodgers would be like Joe Douglas. Let's go get him. Um, and I, I do think there would be some interest around the league. I mean, he's you know he showed some flashes, but he did not have a good camp. And you have to consider that. And he got outplayed. And yes, there would, that would make the wide receiver room even younger. Uh, but I, I, I can't see seven wide receivers being capped. I, I really can't. I, I'd be very surprised if the Packers do go that route. Uh, Malik Heath, to me, earned it. Uh, he, to me, is wide receiver four. It's crazy that they're going to start two rookies at three and four with uh, Reed and Heath. But there we are. Um, and, and they've played well. And I, I trust them. And I think they can ball out. Uh, but as for a guy like Torre, I don't, I don't, I just don't see a way he stays, especially if you're going to keep DeBoe and you think you're high on DeBoe and, and think that he has a little bit more of a chance to pop than Torre, then yeah, you keep DeBoe and you get rid of Torre. Or maybe you try to get DeBoe on the practice squad and keep Torre. I don't know. Uh, but we'll have to see what the Green Bay Packers decide to do there because I think that's a tougher decision than, than thought. They're going to keep a lot of safeties, and I don't know if any of them are good. It's not really a question, um, like, but I, I think Jonathan Owens, I think Traverius Moore, Dallin Levitt will stay because of special teams, uh, and then you'll have Rudy Ford. Like, those are four free safeties, and you're going to probably keep all of them because I don't know if anyone is good. And um, the only way that maybe someone doesn't get get on this team is if the Packers were to make a deal for a safety in a nine deal or something like that or they were to trade a draft pick to get a safety um, and and get some more safety depth because, you know, the, the Packers uh, were good at it last year. Um, you know, I, I think Brian Gunacoust 
didn't necessarily get as much credit as he should have for some of the, the free agent finds that he's able to bring in, right? He was able to bring in Rudy Ford. He was able to bring in Keyshawn Nixon. Both had direct impacts on the Packers turning around their season last year. Um, and can you do it again? And can you get somebody off the waiver wire who, you know, maybe they have too much depth at safety or they have bad camp or, you know, they just did not fit with what that team was doing, but they fit in with what Joe Barry is doing. I could see them keeping more safeties and then I could see them exchanging safeties before the first game of the season. So I I do expect them to keep a lot of safeties, but I'm not sure any of them are good. And I think it's a real problem for this team. And I, I don't know when it's going to get exposed. We kind of talked about that on, on Friday's show, but like it's it's not good. Uh it's it's a real problem for Green Bay. And I trying to I, I think we can't necessarily be that critical of Budakus about it. I know what you guys are like, oh classic Charlie carrying the water. But you just look at all the draft picks that we have and what we needed. And we needed to rebuild that offense. And I guess what I would ask, and I, I don't know when safeties were picked and I'd, I'd have to go through last year's draft, but I'd ask you this question, you know, do you, would you rather have Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft and Corey Wooten, or would you rather have a free safety in one of those spots? Tucker Craft is not going to probably be a year one guy. Uh, if you listen to Dallas Cotterts speaking to that, and that would be the only one to say, well, oh, Tucker Craft. I, I believe that Tucker Craft's going to be really fucking good for this team. I just think he's going to need time. Dallas Goddard, I thought was great on part of my take. It's probably like a month ago that you go back and listen. If you care, there's much to listen. But if you remember, if you are listening, because I mean, obviously the most popular podcast, you know, in America or popular sports podcast in America, Goddard talked about how, you know, it took time to acclimate from South Dakota State to the NFL. And I, I do wonder if that's, you know, he's kind of feeling that. I realize the same school, but I, I think it's the level, the FCS. I think we've seen that with Trey Lance, too. I mean, I, I think Trey Lance still has a chance to be good, but he's going to need some time. He's going to need some seasoning. I think the Cowboys getting him was very savvy to them. You know, Dak Prescott's contract's up in 2024. Mike McCarthy's pretty good with quarterbacks. Um, and I, I do wonder, is that, you know, are they doing a pseudo Rodgers thing with Trey Lance or a, or a Jordan Love thing with Trey Lance? Um, we'll, we'll We'll have to see. Uh, but I, I was very fascinated by that. And they overpaid a little bit on a fourth round pick. But, you know, to get a potential, you know, a guy who was a top 10 pick for a fourth round pick is not bad. Uh, and I think we'd want the Packers to do that if they were, you know, start cycling through options uh, for next season. But they aren't because they have Jordan Love and they are, they're well established. And I don't think it was worth, you know, doing that. And I, I don't know if the Niners would trade with the Packers, although they trade with the Cowboys. And that's, you know, a, right, a supposed rival of them. So we'll, uh, we'll have to see. Other questions uh, that we have. So we have the six man. I, are they going to only keep two running backs? I, I think that we all really liked Emmanuel Wilson. We all really liked Patrick Taylor. Um, but, you know, they only kept two running backs last year and then they were able to sneak the guys in the practice squad and elevate. Uh, you know, Tyler Goodson's had a, was hurt, which really is a bummer. I, I really like Tyler Goodson. Um, but I don't know if he's going to, you know, make the practice squad or, you know, maybe they could carry an injury designation for him. But that's, yeah, that's another guy that I, I really like. But Taylor and Wilson were kind of the dudes. Uh, and they, uh, they, they hopefully will find their way to the practice squad. I, you know, you never know, uh, when someone sees performance, if they're like, Oh, we need a run, we need a third running back and Packers don't want him, but we want him. You know, I think Patrick Taylor is safe. He's just been a reliable guy for Green Bay, um, in the past, but I think they're obviously comfortable with Jones and Dylan and maybe they don't need that third running back. And that's sort of, you know, where, where they will go. The last question I have is, are we sure Devondre Campbell's not a surprise cut? Um, I don't think so. 
but it was very weird. He's he's been an interesting guy on Twitter. Like I talked about it, I actually talked about it recently, and then he started tweeting again. Uh, and he's like, "Well, whatever the organization does, like I'll just have to see." And I'm like, "All right, are are, are they moving on without you? Like I do not want them to get rid of Devondre Campbell. I felt like he was part of the reason why they were really good um, down a stretch last season, and they have had some surprise cuts in the past, right? We had Josh Sitton." Uh, which was a stunner um, years ago. And I'm trying to think, I think Sam Barrington was a starter the year prior, and then he got released the year later, if I'm not mistaken. You, gotta, you guys would have to fact-check me on that. There have been a few in the past, and we'll certainly react to it on Wednesday and see see what happens. But, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one to uh, pay attention to, and we'll, uh, we'll have to see. All right, that does it for today's show. Like I said, could be a weird schedule this week. Definitely, you'll have me tomorrow. You'll have me Wednesday, um, maybe Thursday off if uh, I end the podcast with Mitch, or maybe Friday off if Mitch and I get in the booth on Thursday. Um, just a little other scheduling stuff to have to decide that. So we'll we'll see, and we'll talk to you then. Uh, but, yeah, it should be a wild week, right? You have, you have the Packers making their cuts. You have the Brewers Cubs. You have the Badger season getting underway uh, on on Saturday. Maybe talk a little gambling this week on what to do from a Badger spread perspective. I think that will be tomorrow's show. So stay tuned for that. If you are uh, in the gambling world or want to know, you know, what to do with the Badgers, I am here for you. We'll go through, you know, some of the odds and, and things like that. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.